Welcome to the New Life Ministries podcast. The Jewish Feast of Tabernacles is rich with symbolism and meaning, reminding folks that the Lord provided for his people during their 40 years of wandering in the desert. Those 40 years were a time of great vulnerability, living in tents in a wilderness, taking steps in learning to trust the Lord. Understanding this festival deepens the words of Jesus when he invites people who are thirsty to come to him or when he says he is the light of the world. Let's join Curtis as we continue looking into John chapter 7 and 8. Good morning to those of you online. Hello. Good morning to you as well. Uh, Today we're going to continue looking at John chapter 7. As I mentioned last week, John chapter 7 and 8 is one big story and it's too much to cover in one talk, so we're doing it in pieces. When the sun goes down and darkness starts to set in, our experience with being outside changes. When we are outside and the darkness comes, we become a little bit more sensitive to sound and to shadow. We become a little bit more aware of what is in our, we we listen more. And, um, We hear what may have been there all along, but we had never paid attention to. When darkness sets in, we also know that we're likely going to be sleeping soon. And when we're sleeping, we are vulnerable when we're outside. We're unaware of what's around us. We're unaware. We're unable to protect ourselves. It helps if we're outside and we have to sleep. It helps if there's other people around, right? There's safety in numbers. Years ago, I was at a cottage with a friend and we were out by a fire uh, at the beach and the water was gently lapping. There was not much of a breeze. And as the fire went out, it got darker and darker. And when it was down to coals, we wanted to finish the conversation so we didn't go inside. Um, But then there was this rustling in the trees nearby and we stopped and listened. And then there was no sound and that makes it worse because you can't identify anything if they're not making any sound at night. So we tried to keep talking, but then there was another sound. And it wasn't a squirrel, it was something more methodical. And that creepy feeling started to crawl up our spines. Something was watching us. You know that feeling when you're outside and you're aware you're not alone? So it was time to go inside. We put the coals out, we went back into the cabin, and once inside, there was just this immediate relief of safety and we're okay, and the energy kind of comes back. When we're outside at night, we're vulnerable, or we become more aware of our vulnerability. And I think when people feel their vulnerability, or they become aware of their vulnerability, they're far more open to uh, what God might offer, or who God is. You with me? Like we become much more aware of our need for a higher power when we're vulnerable. When the people of ancient Israel were rescued out of their slavery in Egypt, and then they crossed the Red Sea, they were led by the Lord into the promised land. A land filled with goodness, flowing with milk and honey was the phrase. But then something happened that stalled their journey. As they were getting ready to go, they were afraid of the folks who lived in the land. They'd gotten a report that they were huge, giant warriors. They were afraid to trust their God. 
And so they revolted and wanted to go back to Egypt. And as a result, God said that they would wander the desert, the wilderness, for 40 years, and he would take their children into the promised land. But those who had been rescued from Egypt, they would not go. And so for 40 years, the nation of Israel wandered the desert. And they were led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And it would go before them to guide them. When it moved, it was time to pack up the tents and move. And when it stopped, it would be time to set up camp again. And there's many stories in the first parts of the Bible, the first four, five books of the Bible, about this time in the wilderness. When they were thirsty and they needed water, they pleaded for God and God provided water through a rock. When they were hungry, the Lord provided food. It was while they were in the desert that he gave them the Ten Commandments, and it was while they were in the desert that they built the tabernacle, the tent that the Lord lived in. And when it was all over this 40-year journey, God commanded them to remember this experience in the desert. Remember what you've been through. And so they were to hold a yearly feast called the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths. Uh, a booth, like a hut, um, a booth, a tabernacle, a tent, it's, it's the same thing, it's the same word. So the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles. And this was an eight-day-long festival that they were to remember and celebrate that the Lord had provided for them, the Lord had protected them in their vulnerability, and the Lord had led them to the promised land through this 40-year experience. So this festival continues to this day. It's called Sukkot. This year, the Feast of Booths will happen October 9th to 16th. As instructed in Scripture, observant Jews will build booths uh, or tents on their property. And this booth is to remind them of the 40 years they spent living in tents in the desert. And these shelters have at least three walls, and they're generally open to the sky so they can see the stars. And during this week-long festival, they are to spend as much time as possible in the booth. They're to have their meals eaten in there. There's some blessings and prayers. Uh, some people would sleep, might sleep in those booths, depending whereabouts in the world they are. And this Feast of Booths, uh, this festival of the Feast of Tabernacles, is also connected to the fall harvest. The fall harvest was when wine and oil and fruit were harvested. So it was a time of celebrating. And in scripture, they're told, you must celebrate. Like, this is a week-long party. And I think it's the only festival where they are commanded to celebrate. Give thanks to the Lord for his provision. Celebrate his protection. Celebrate his leading. Celebrate the good land he brought you into. Um, and while they remember the 40 years of experience, this festival also reminds them that the Lord will once again bring them into a promised land. So it's remembering the past, it's celebrating God's provision for today, and it's remembering that there is a future goodness yet to come. At the time of Jesus, this festival had crazy candle ceremonies, like massive candelabras. There was a water draw there were water drawing ceremonies. The Torah was read. At one point in the festival's history, Every seven years, debts were forgiven. All of your debts were forgiven. There are prayers. There's blessings that are spoken during the week. There is actions done with a collection of branches and citrus fruit that represent the goodness of the land and uh, the experience of being in the wilderness. 
and there's lots of parties, there's lots of dancing, like it is, it is the event to go to. So this is the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles, a yearly event to remind the Israelites the Lord had provided for them, protected them, and led them through 40 years to a promised land. You with me? We'll get there in a moment. Um, so, uh, we'll get there in a moment. So John 7, we started looking at this last week. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders were there looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus told them, My time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I am not going up to this festival because my time has not yet come. After he said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. So we're gonna stop there. That's the intro. And uh, for those of you who are Bible scholars, those 10 verses give us all the themes that the next two chapters talk about. It's very exciting. Figure that out in your own. So it's the Festival of Tabernacles, and you've been with me enough to know that if in Scripture it says a little flag line like that, we have to stop and ponder it. It was the Festival of Tabernacles, and the time was not right for Jesus. There was something about the time that was incorrect. Either God the Father had not given him the instructions to go, or there was something else at stake that made it the wrong time. And we're going to pick up on that in a few moments. So this festival of tabernacles was one of three major festivals in their yearly calendar where people had to go to Jerusalem. Um, and I read that it, if, it was, if they lived within 15 miles on three yearly festivals, they had to go to Jerusalem. Uh, understand Jerusalem was kind of like the capital city, but where a city like Corinth uh, was a massive city and had all kinds of temples within it. Jerusalem was a bit opposite. Jerusalem, I think a quarter of it was the temple and the rest of it was places to live and stay. So it was more, it wasn't like, oh, a city and we have a temple. It was like, we have a temple and there's a city built around it. Like it was the thing. So three times a year they had to go up. Uh, one was for the Feast of Tabernacles. The other two, one was the Passover which, which is where they remembered um, their time in Egypt and their delivery out of Egypt, um, and then the crossing of the Red Sea, and then the Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, which uh, was in the spring and gave thanks for the spring harvest. And I, I think it was, it was not the same as um, the, the day of giving the first fruits, but this may have been when they brought first fruits to Jerusalem. So three major festivals where they had to go to Jerusalem, and there's a plethora of other sacred days in their calendar. I counted 10 to 12 different events that they had to pay attention to every year. And like one of those events 
was the Sabbath every seven days. Um, so, so many rituals and holy days. And the reason I bring this up, one writer said their religion was embodied in their festivals and holy days. And so by this, I mean their holy days and festivals gave expression to their religion. This is how they practiced who they were through all of these special activities. And all of these activities served to remind them about who God was, who they were, and what their experience with God had been like. So God rescues us, rescued them from death and slavery, the Passover festival. God provides them with food every year. And so they give thanks, the uh, Feast of Weeks or the Pentecost. God led and cared for them in 40 years of vulnerability through the desert wanderings, the Feast of Tabernacles. God forgave their sins, the Day of Atonement. God calls us to rest, the Sabbath day. So these, um, these uh, festivals and these holy days in, in the Jewish religion helped them to remember, to remember uh, and to help them remember their identity. I read, and this was fascinating, I read that one of the root meanings behind commandment, as in God commands them to keep these festivals, I command you to do these holy days, one of the ways to understand the root, root word, is attachment or team or togetherness. So when they followed the Lord's commands, it was a way of expressing togetherness with the Lord, which is a beautiful idea. So these festivals and holy days reminded them of their experience with the Lord, reminded them of what the Lord was like. Uh, it gave them a way to express their faith. It was, you know, their faith was embodied in these activities. It gave them a way to express togetherness with the Lord and relationship with the Lord, and it strengthened their identity as God's holy people. So let's just consider for a moment, how might having these regular activities be helpful when you feel vulnerable? Because everybody, as we live life, goes through times when we feel vulnerable. Or we have you ever had it where uh, you feel at a loss for how to move forward? Like you, you know there's a step to take, but you, you haven't a clue how to go forward. Um, or you ever have it where you feel at a loss for who you are and how you fit in this world? Perhaps you feel ungrounded, discombobulated. Those are normal human experiences. And then how would the regular practice of these festivals and holy days speak to you when you're having these intense, discombobulated, vulnerable feelings? Like, what's the word? It would, it would help ground you. It would help stabilize you. Even if you didn't feel something, the culture, the festivals around you would remind you of truths that were greater than what you felt in the moment. Um, it would help to pull you out of kind of getting lost in your head. Uh, even though, you know, it's important to ponder why am I feeling ungrounded? Why am I, you know, what's making me vulnerable? So this is their yearly um, schedule of festivals and holy days 
was beautiful. Like it was fantastically helpful. Now we do, as Christians, a version of this. Um, so at Christmas, we remember that Jesus came to earth, that there was the gift of the Messiah. And we give gifts to express the gift that we have received. And we like to get gifts, or I think it's important that people get gifts to remind them that they are worth having, uh, they're worth having someone give them a gift. I read, uh, sorry, there's an idea out there that we encounter every year that Christianity took over a pagan holiday and made it Christian for their own use. And I was reading a scholar a couple months ago who suggested it's more likely the other way around. Um, because there was no sacred holiday in the Greco-Roman world that danced around December 25th. That there, in the Greco-Roman religion, there was no December 25th event. Um, and the early church was really particular about trying to get as many details about history right as they could. And so t December 25th was their best estimation of when Jesus was born. And so they decided that's the day we're going to celebrate this. And over time, the non-Christian world seems to have taken over the holiday and worked to remove its religious significance, which is, of course, what we see now. But the root of it really is about celebrating the birth of Jesus. Another holy day for us would be the Easter weekend, where we remember the death and resurrection of Jesus, that he atoned for our sins. Another holy day is Sunday, the first day of the week, the day that Christ was raised from the dead, where we get together and we connect with God and we connect with each other and we learn how to follow God better. And that practice helps us to live out the truth that we are part of his body on earth. We celebrate communion on the first Sunday of the month here to remind us that we are saved by sharing in the body of Christ. And we do this together because we are all part of one body. And I know some people here were frustrated with COVID and when we tried to celebrate communion through COVID because we were not using a common cup. We were not using common elements. How can a body be together when it's in practice actually not together? We do potlucks here to remind us that we are a community and they express that we are a community by having dinner together. And many of us practice a daily time a time every day where we read scripture and pray to connect with God. So we also have these regular practices to help us live out our faith and to remind us to bring stability when, world make, when the world makes us feel a little bit vulnerable. So now for us, we see that Jesus is the center of our existence, the center of God's work in creation. Everything we do dances around Jesus. That's the piece that Jesus was teaching people or trying to teach people at this particular Feast of Tabernacles. He goes to this event to communicate to them that the Feast of Tabernacles is fulfilled in him. And if that's true, then they had to make a decision about him. Now you're looking at me thinking, really? Yeah, so let me, let me pull out some things in the text that probably, well, that you might miss be, because we are not of that era. So one of the events, one of the important events in the, in the Feast of Tabernacles at the time was the daily water drawing ceremony. And one writer from that era writes it like this. He who has not seen the joy of the water drawing has not seen joy in his whole lifetime. That's a setup. 
So they describe it like this. At the break of day, priests proceeded from the temple to the pool of Siloam. There they filled a golden pitcher with water and bore it back to the temple. On approaching the water gate on the south side of the inner court, a trumpet was sounded three times, joyous blasts, which were explicitly related to Isaiah 12, which says, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. There's the, the scripture that is informing the activity. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. The priests bearing the water then proceeded around the altar, watched by the pilgrims, while the choir temple sang the Hallel, which, are, uh, which is the songs from Psalm 113 to 118. When the opening words of Psalm 118 were reached, give thanks to the Lord, every man and boy shook the, uh, shook the lulav. That's, a bouquet, that's that bouquet of willow and myrtle branches that wrapped around a, a palm frond, that and then the fruit in the right hand. They shook uh, this and, and cried out, give thanks to the Lord three times. All this took place at the time of the daily offering. The water was offered to God in connection with the daily drink offering of wine. A chosen priest mounted the altar on which stood two silver bowls, one for the reception of the drink offering and the other for the water. When the priest had poured the wine and the water into the respective bowls, they were then poured out as an offering to God. This water drawing ceremony happened every morning as part of this festival. Now remember when they were in the desert for 40 years, at one point, there's no water to drink. People are thirsty in the heat. So the Lord provides a rock and Moses hits it with the staff and water gushes forth from this rock. Lots of water, enough water for thousands and thousands of people to drink and all their animals. Getting water in the desert is important. So this ceremony, this water drawing ceremony, pulled together themes of giving thanks for salvation, giving thanks for a good harvest, giving thanks for water when they were vulnerable, God's provision of water when they're thirsty and vulnerable. In Isaiah 58, it says, the Lord will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. In that context, we read in John 7, 37. And on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, anyone who was thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the spirit, whom those who believe in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So we don't know at what moment Jesus said this, but the point is more weighty knowing that there is this daily uh, important water drawing ceremony through this festival. And he's saying to them, what you are giving thanks for, what you are remembering by this activity, that is what I do. I provide, I protect, I lead. Draw water from the well of salvation. I am the well of salvation. And then the Holy Spirit, the spirit that Jesus will give his followers, will also bring life to others who are parched and vulnerable. 
Jesus is announcing that he is what? This symbol of water in their religion and in their history is pointing to. And on your own, uh, you know, take a concordance and look through the Old Testament on the various references to water, especially in the Psalms and in the, prof- in the prophets. Look at the image of flowing water and how it's used to communicate a spiritual lesson. So Jesus is trying to tell them, I am fulfilling the Feast of the Tabernacles. Another one, the candle lighting ceremony. So from that same um, ancient book, Towards the end of the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles, people went down into the court of the women. So the temple had different, uh, different areas. The court of the women was one of the areas. Golden lamps were there. And another commentator said these lamps were massive. Golden lamps were there. And four golden bowls were on each of them. And four ladders by each. Four young men from the priestly group of youth had jugs of oil in their hand containing about 120 logs, so about 60 liters, and poured oil from them into the individual bowls. Wicks were made from the discarded trousers of the priests and from their girdles. I I don't understand that one. There was no court in Jerusalem that was not bright from the light of those lamps, which is an incredible thought. Men of piety, known for their good works, danced before the crowd with torches in their hand and sang before them songs and praises. When the Levites stood with their stringed instruments, sorry, and the Levites stood with stringed instruments and harps and cymbals and trumpets and other musical instruments without number on the 15 steps which led down from the court of the Israelites into the court of the women. This took place every night and the dancing and the singing lasted till morning by candlelight, by torches. And there's stories of one particular rabbi who could dance, sing, and juggle the torches as he went. This theme of light, this party dancing with the concept of light, remembers the pillar of fire that guided Israel through the night through their 40 years of wandering. This pillar of fire protected them from the Egyptian army when it left Egypt. Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Light is tied to God's deliverance and his protection. It's tied to salvation. And his light is tied to hope. God's light is tied to revealing what is hidden. With light, you can tell good from bad and helpful from hurtful and true from false. And so we get to chapter 8, verse 12, which is still this festival. And it says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never be in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, I often, when I read scripture, I hear Jesus speaking with a fairly serious tone. But I think I'm wrong on this one. Because the festival is about celebrating, and it's this immense party. Imagine partying all night till morning, seven days in a row. Big party. And in the middle of this festival, what if Jesus is bubbling up with joy and celebration, like he's having fun, and then he is so full that he declares to a people who are celebrating that the Lord is their light and has been their light, and he says, I am That light, like it's an eruption of joy. 
So the activities in the Feast of Tabernacle, Feast of Tabernacles, they're just a brilliant use of, use of imagery. Like everything that you encounter represents, a, like a, it's a physical something to represent part of your story. This festival remembered their desert wanderings when they lived vulnerably for 40 years in tents or booths or tabernacles. The Lord provided for them food and water. He protected them in a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. And he led them to the promised land, a land of abundant harvest. And their Lord continues and continues, sorry, their Lord continued to provide and protect. And they knew that one day he would again lead them into the promised land. And Jesus declares, that's what this festival is about, and I fulfill it. Or sorry, Jesus declares that what this festival is about, he fulfills it. And if we pause on that thought, that the Lord meets us when we are vulnerable, and he provides for us, and he protects us, and he is leading us to the promised land, that he is water to those who are thirsty, that he is light to those who cannot see. Like, that's just, that's just beautiful. Like, that's satisfying. That is something to celebrate. But he said at the start, my time is not yet here. The right time for me has not yet come. What does that mean? Well, what if Jesus hadn't said that and had gone to the festival with his brothers? Likely, by the time he got to Jerusalem, he would have had a parade of people following him because he'd have been healing, he'd have been teaching. People would be praising that this might be the Messiah who would lead them to the new promised land. He would arrive with a big hoopla. He would have these discussions. He might get arrested. And then he would go home and do the same thing again six months later with Passover. The time's not right. While Jesus fulfills the Feast of Tabernacles, that's not the full purpose for which he came. Just like the 40 years of wandering, Jesus meets us in our rebellion and he provides and guides and leads us to the promised land. And it's lovely, but it's not complete. The Passover is the festival that addresses sin and atonement. And he needs to address sin and our condemnation and judgment first. And then he can lead us for 40 years to the promised land. It was, he satisfied the festival, but it was not the festival that he needed to fully reveal himself in. So what has caught your attention this morning, either in the text or what I've been uh, reading? What's been catching your attention this morning? Well, the word discombobulated <laughs> was really good. Um, but that idea of God meeting us there in the desert, in those places, and being both the light and the shelter and the faithful one to guide us through is one I can really give thanks for. Yeah. For me, actually, what really popped out is just this idea of having holy days for the purpose of reminding and like not forgetting, I guess. Um, but really translating, I think, into my daily walk of ever since retiring from being an athlete, I it's almost like I've been 
afraid to put in new routines or new things. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that would basically used to remind me daily. Like I would go to practice or I'd do a workout or, and there was like daily reminders to worship and be grateful. And uh, yeah, I have been hesitant to put those back into my life. Anyways, it's, yeah. So it's just really got me thinking about that's interesting. They feel confining, but they used to feel like they gave me freedom in life. So just a good reminder that I guess cycles like routine is from God. Yeah. yeah. I, I usually word it as discipline brings freedom. The discipline of what I get fit into all the day brings me the freedom of where I want to go and who I want to be. Yeah. That's good. I think it's interesting and talk, Jesus talked about being shrewd and innocent not long ago talking to his guys and and if you read this you just do this quick he lied he lied to his brothers he's like i'm not going until they left and then he went and so and he could say no i meant i wasn't going with you or i wasn't going right now but which or is exactly what he was saying but he's from what was recorded it sounds like he was extremely shrewd in saying no go ahead <laughs> just and he didn't even say, I'll see you later, or I'll, maybe I'll catch up. He just said no. And so I just, I, I find that kind of intriguing to say that God is not above being very strategic yes. to the point of, of not feeling like he owes someone a full explanation of what he's up to. If he knows that they are not actually um, committed to the same stuff he's committed to. Because it says that his brothers were like, Psh, yeah, well, if you think you're so much, like, why don't you go and show off, hey? And he's like, yeah, no, go ahead. So, so he, didn't, he didn't fight with them, but he also did not engage with and trying to prove what they were saying. Well, you, you know, you should prove it if you think you're so great. Um, and the idea that, that, I mean, every book, every movie, every whatever is, is usually about some sort of human uh, interaction going in a difficult or screwy direction because that's drama, right? That's what we want to read and that's what we watch. And, and sometimes you... Uh, when I'm listening to it, like an audiobook, I just think, oh, just say it. You know, just say whatever it is that's causing this big angsty chapter. Oh, for Pete's sake. Um, and essentially, that's what Jesus did. He just like, no, you know, I'm good. <laughs> Go ahead. And then he did his own, you know, thing that, that did fit with his priorities without being offensive to them, but also without going along with them. I just find that kind of intriguing. There's a lot of freedom in that, but also a lot of strategy in not letting somebody else with a different agenda box yeah. him into doing something or proving something or having to answer their questions, which weren't actually real questions. You know, just kind of fascinating. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, for me, that moment, someone in something that I've read said, what if he had gone down with them? And it was like, oh imagine it would have been like uh, Palm Sunday except the wrong day it was like oh because there's no way he'd get there without a crowd and yeah fascinating just the symbolism of the water it was a beautiful reimagining of the water ceremony and what I really loved is like as you say you go through the Psalms and you get you know the springs of yep. water and and you go into Revelations, and there's a river flowing out from the throne, and it creates life. And how water almost always symbolizes life from God. Yep. Whether it's the Spirit coming, or whether it's a refreshment of our of our soul, it's always this renewal. 
And uh, can you imagine that every morning, the ceremony of renewal? Wow, would that ever be an amazing ceremony just to witness? Yeah. Although after having danced all night, some of them may have had a headache. <laughs> I don't know how well, you Well, that was quite the party, yeah. Yeah, well, and they said, like, it, the goal was to dance all night. I don't know when they slept. But let me offer a prayer. Uh, Father, let me start that again. Father and Lord Jesus and Holy Spirit, thank you for revealing what is culturally in this text that we so often miss. Thank you for just time to ponder the Feast of Tabernacles and the incredible beauty of celebrating, having a week-long party because you cared for your people when they were most vulnerable for 40 years. Um, and they were vulnerable because they had rebelled and, and you lavishly cared for them. There, Lord, we could spend a long time pondering those truths and remember, remembering them and applying them into our own life. Father, for this crowd and people who are listening, when, when we feel vulnerable and we don't know how to take a step forward or we don't know how we fit into this world, would you please remind us of the event of the 40 years in the desert, the event of Sukkot, of the Feast of Tabernacles, that you get it. And you are lovingly reminding us that you are always with us, always caring for us and leading us to where we need to go. So we praise you and we give you thanks for your incredible goodness to us and your patience and your kindness, your love. Truly, you are good. And we are pleased that you are our God. And in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. New Life Ministries is located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. You are invited to join our service in person or over Zoom. Please use the Contact Us link to send an email to the church office and request the address or Zoom link. If you would like to use these podcasts, as part of your home church or local church gathering, you are free to do so. We do request that you let us know. If there is any other way that we can help you in your ministry, please send us an email.